Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and we have a a special chat today. Uh, We're talking right after the Senate testimony of Dr. Christine uh, Blasey Ford and uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Very emotional day here. Um, if you if you watch the hearings, you want to listen to this. We're talking about all sorts of things with a couple of my colleagues who not only are relaying their personal experiences uh, with some of the issues that are discussed here today, but we're, they were watching it and covering it and we're being in the field. And uh, we're going to break it down with a few of my friends on It's All Political. Well, thank you for joining us all. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, this, is a, this is one of those big, you know, big days in the nation's history, I think, that we're going to look back on as sort of a marker in some ways. And we are joined by uh, uh, three very special guests here. Uh, to my uh, left on your radio dial, on your podcasting dial, uh, Tara Duggan, and you're doing some uh, lifestyle writing right now, a longtime award-winning food writer. Uh, of course, joined by the big man, veteran political scribe, John Wildermuth. John, you want to say hello? Howdy. Okay. And our executive uh, editor-in-chief, Audrey Cooper. Hi. Hey. Um, let's start, Tara, I wanted to start with you because you were in the field during this thing uh, today, and uh, we were all watching it on television, but tell us where you were at and what was the reaction that you heard? Yeah, I went to a cafe in the South Market in San Francisco that where a group was hosting a um, listen and support to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford event where they invited people to come and watch the testimony. And there wasn't a huge um, turnout. It was at 7 a.m. at a cafe. But it was interesting just to talk to people as they came into the cafe, talk to the people who were there. Um, Everyone who walked in immediately looked up to the screen and it was interesting just to see how everyone was reacting. Some people I talked to had also been listening on their commute. It just seemed people were extremely riveted by this and it interrupted their morning routine. It kind of made a big change to the routine. What did they, what did they, when you're talking to people, what resonated with them? What stuck with them from what she said? Well, what I, you know, I was talking to progressive Bay area women, I would say just to put that in perspective. Um, they just really felt like it seemed so truthful. The testimony just resonated with them. They related to her. They said they had, they just felt like every word was something they could relate to. And they also felt angry that she was up there, that she had to prove herself and that she had to be put through this experience. So there was a mixture of empathy and, you know, and also anger with the proceedings, what was going on. And do you think, Audrey, do you think this is, um, uh, if, if the Anita Hill uh, testimony hearings taught, uh, sort of opened America's eyes to sexual harassment, what, did, what were America's eyes open to, if anything, today? Gosh, I think the, the things that struck me is that you, you could have somebody like Dr. Ford who has a PhD in psychology. She's a professional woman, very articulate. She knew what she was going to say. I think she came across as very genuine. And even with her science background and this recollection of 35 years ago, 
she you still could see the vulnerability and how hard that is for a woman who's tremendously accomplished and knows the science behind memory to have such a hard time to explain this to a silent panel of senators. I think I think you know from the the Nita Hill trial what is clear that the Senate the male senators understood was that they couldn't ask questions of Dr. Ford without losing their stuff. Yeah. Um, so we have a, an independent prosecutor doing it, which, you know, just struck me as incredibly, um, I was told I can't swear on this podcast. Oh, no, you can but swear. I we, can, can, we can swear. I, yes, I just, yes. I don't even know another You're word You're the boss, for it. you can swear. It just seemed so <laughs> chicken shit at the end of it. And I, you know, I think yeah. it's clear the Senate learned something. They learned that they couldn't be in the position of asking questions in a productive way of Dr. Ford. So they let someone else do it. And for me, all the drama, which I'm sure we'll get into, that's what really I think I will remember. Someone I was talking to um, said, you know, if someone like Dr. Ford has a challenge in talking about this issue, imagine someone who isn't as well educated, who doesn't have the vocabulary to put into context what she experienced. I mean, you know, like as the as women have been talking about in the last week or so, those those stories never get told, and and they're they're that trauma lives with people for a long time. Do you think are we is that message going to get out there from this? Yeah. Well, it, <clears throat> I don't know because then you then when you watch the Kavanaugh hearing, not to you know jump ahead too far, but mm-hmm. a lot of the Republican senators then talked about it being a scam, you know, a big scam and a a left-wing conspiracy, so they they didn't seem to take any of that seriously all right. of a sudden. So even though they treated the, her respectfully at the beginning, right, it changed that right afterwards. What, and John, what didn't they? It, Kavanaugh tried to kind of you know bridge the gap there between I hear what she's saying, but no, he was uh, he was definitely trying to split the baby, uh, <clears throat> coming up and saying, well, you know, I have no doubt, I respect her, I have no doubt that something happened to her. But I didn't do it. Well, that's what he can say. But then the problem comes in, and she said, "I'm a hundred percent sure he did. He did do it." And where do you go there? Yeah, this is my problem with it, is like people online are trying to like say, "Well, you know, he was also believable, and that's how a an accused man, an unfairly accused man, would act." But here's the thing: you cannot believe both of them. I don't see a, a scenario in which you can believe both of them and they can exist. They are mutually exclusive. You have to pick a side. You have to believe her and then you don't believe him. And at the end of the day, whose testimony, I think, it, it, who, who has more, who has the Swiss cheese testimony? Who yeah. has the holes in it? And I think that's what, you know, it's going to be a partisan cloaked thing for everybody. But that's what everybody individually will have to decide and what the Senate will ultimately have to decide. And, and that's where Murkowski, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, the senator from Alaska, uh, Susan Collins, senator from Maine. These are the, are the two deciding votes here. There's two guys also, but it looks like in the uh, early comments they're going to uh, vote uh, to support him. Where do they go on this? Do they? Uh, that's that's the political question here, right? It's a political question, but I I I think you know viewing this as a woman, I I just you can't. For me, it was so hard to try to take a a a, a clear-eyed journalistic look at this because the you know the the statement that Kavanaugh made that that really just. I think I laughed out loud was, you know, all my law clerks are women. And I thought all my best friends are women. And here's <laughs> all the my thing, best friends like, are Jewish. All, yes, yeah. Yes, I know a lot of black, black people. Yeah. 
this is the problem. You can have sexually assaulted people or sexually harassed people in the workplace or in private or in high school and still have been nice to women in your life. And that's a thing that I don't feel like um, men truly understand is that even in my own experience, my own professional experience, there are men who gave me a lot of chances who also treated me terribly and in a sexist way. And sometimes, oftentimes, almost always, they're the same person. So I think for um, Collins and Murkowski, I have to think they understand that as women too, whether or not they're going to make a um, political uh, decision on that as you know, I guess we'll find out. Well, how did you, when you had, when you're in an experience where guys would treat you, would give you chances, but also treat you like shit, how did you reconcile that? Um, I don't, you know, honestly, <laughs> I didn't. I, I can now that I have the maturity to deal with it. If I was 16 when this was happening, yeah. like I just, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know. When I was 30, I could ba- barely deal with that. As a 16 year old awkward girl, it would be who was a victim of outright assault. There's no way you can reconcile that. Right, right. I mean, Anita Hill got asked why she followed Clarence Thomas, even though he did these things. You know, it was right. clear. It was just those are those two things happen in parallel levels and women are so used to that that they kind of we have to get used to just yeah I didn't notice that it was happening until it stopped honestly I I know that Mm -hmm. sounds so bizarre speaking of what just my own personal experiences with this in the workplace or personally Mm -hmm. oftentimes it took retrospect to even understand that it was messed up and uh, Tara you've done a lot of reporting in the past on uh, men behaving badly and powerful men behaving badly in the food world how did um, what uh, you heard from Kavanaugh today uh, sync up with that. Did you hear any echoes of that, or was it, or well, was it different? Well, actually, or what? What, what Audrey was just talking about, I did hear a lot about when I reported on a chef in the East Bay who's been accused of multiple counts of sexual harassment. Many, many people said, oh, but he did this. He gave health insurance to his employees. He gave people maternity leave, and... Those can all be true at the same time. You know, abusers are often people who treat their victims nicely in some ways, can, you know, give them presents or candy or whatever. Right. So it's, 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 a, it's a similar kind of um, pattern for sure. And can people, can men in particular, be reconciled? Is this if he did something when he was 17 years old? And he, you know, by his accounts and other accounts, he lived a sort of an exemplary life, you know, from his uh, non-political. He got really good grades. He got really good grades. Yes, he got. He also liked beer. Yes, he he liked beer a lot. (laughs) As he said, "What can can someone be rehabilitated? Can they reconcile those early things?" Man, I hope so because I have a lot of friends, um, even in our own industry, who have been you know, outed as acting inappropriately at work or sexually um, harassing women at work. And um, I think, you know, that there has to be redemption there. Ha- otherwise, you know, we're losing a huge percentage of the workforce for acting okay. badly. But, you know, that's not what Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh is not coming clean and saying, I've learned this was inappropriate. I'm so sorry to people. I mean, he says he's innocent. So, so maybe, you know, if you believe him, you'd say that he doesn't need to, but 
that's not his argument. His argument was, I drank, I never got drunk, I never blacked out. Uh, the Ralph Club didn't have anything to do with drinking too much. It was because I couldn't take spicy food. And, it, like, there's just so many things that strain credibility. He's trying to paint himself as this angel who occasionally had a, a beer after unwinding in, a, in high school. That's So he's not looking for redemption. Right. right. Big man, as a political strategy, what was, was that a smart thing to do? to sort of he was all of a sudden he was I'm the I'm the choir boy there, who never misses mass and but then there you know I mean as Audrey said maybe there's redemption but there would be no redemption for him I mean if he admitted anything like that it, you could say I'm sorry I was drunk I I would never done done it again or anything else like that he's gone you know not only is he uh, probably lose he certainly would lose the nomination to the Supreme Court he would possibly be pulled and uh, pulled out as a judge so there's no there's no halfway measures for him. The problem, though, that comes in any of these is, what if a man is unfairly accused? What can you say other than I didn't do it, I wasn't there, and you know everything else is just wrong? Now he tried to have it halfway, saying, well, you know, basically saying she must be mistaken, must somebody else, and politically, then you go out and blame the Democrats, saying if you wanted this thing investigated. Why didn't you? Why did you wait until it was clear that uh, that uh, Kavanaugh was going to be uh, was going to be nominated and was going to be approved to start bringing out this to drop the letter and such like that? And I don't know that Diane Feinstein uh, really made herself too many points on that either. Saying I sat on it because I had to, but then somehow when things looked worse, it magically appeared and was out there for all to see and bringing this whole thing up. Speaking of, she got uh, a lot of heat today from uh, mostly from Republicans, but she was uh, for, for doing that very thing for, for not uh, divulging this. Um, do you think that she, uh, and, and at the same time, uh, Dr. Ford said she did the right thing. Did, is there any, what do you, um, what do you take away from, there was from Feinstein? Absolute, What's her legacy of this going to be? Is she going to be the Joe Biden of this moment? I don't know. There was absolutely no good route for her to take. I mean, you release it, you say, well, you told me I wasn't going to release it. And you say, well, I just had to. Well, what does she do then? You don't release it. You get and see what happened now. It gets released anyway, and you manage to catch the flack from both sides. So there's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of good things that can happen to her except the exposure. She's looking very senatorial right now, and that is not good news uh, for Kevin DeLeon, who's trying to beat her in November. And what did we think, uh, RJ, I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but what did we think of the use of the uh, the designated hitter in terms of you know, the person, the woman asking the questions uh, um, uh, on behalf of the Republicans? Did that work? I, I spoke to someone who was a uh, professor at UC Hastings uh, here at law school here in San Francisco. She said, you know, she was asking the questions that you'd ask in those, in those situations. But the, but the weird part about it was it was sort of a hybrid. It was... It would half go back intake. and forth. Yeah, yeah it was kind of half intake hearing for the sexual assault uh, survivor and half uh, sort of courtroom proceeding, and it and neither kind of worked. I mean, the, what did you guys think of it? The real thing, the real problem there was that you know, if you're a uh, prosecutor, you know that you have days to build a case. You ask this person this question, it leads to that this question to the next person, and the third, the fourth, and fifth over a couple three days building a case. Here, you had 50 minutes. 
you know, 55 minutes for the <clears throat> for the Republicans, right. five minutes each. Uh, very disjointed, and she was built it in a very leisurely fact, uh, fashion, and by the end, there were still tons of questions that I'm sure the Republicans wanted to ask. They never got asked. Yeah, but. and they, they did a national search for a female interviewer. Like, where are we? Clearly, in Washington, D.C., there are not enough female lawyers for us to find. We have to go all the way to Maricopa County. Just the whole thing, it just seems so ridiculous yeah. to me. Why You have to fly someone in from Arizona to ask these questions? I mean, Let's, some of the women I was talking to today were also saying that it was clear that the uh, having that woman there just felt like it was for show. I mean, that you know, they were, they were trying to figure out what, and especially in the very beginning, what is her deal? What is she going to do? And they kept expecting something kind of negative to happen. They were actually kind of surprised that it seemed pretty fair to Dr. Ford well, the way the questioning went. So I think what I wrote was that you know nobody laid a glove on her. As, and that was specifically the idea. I mean, you knew the Democrats weren't going to say anything bad and never really ask her anything resembling a hard question, but the Republicans didn't either. And I'm pretty sure you'd have to say that was by choice. There's no way they wanted to get into a, you know, a down and dirty saying, are you lying? Why are you lying like this? There's just, there was no way to win in that. So again, you bring in somebody from outside that asks your basic questions like that and say... We're done. Let's vote. There is a way to win, though. They could have asked those basic questions, too. They didn't trust themselves to do it. And I just, I reject this whole oh, idea don't. of the tokenism. Like, gosh, where are we going to find a woman? Uh, Arizona, I guess. Like, the problem is there are not enough women well, in the U.S. Senate, period. Let's address that. For except one I, I disagree on that because it's all about the... You think the there should be less women and fewer women <laughs> in the U.S. Senate, John Wildermuth? <laughs> 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 Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Brave stand. More Brave stand cis males. Um, but no, the big thing is on that, though, is it was all about the visual. You know, it wasn't, they, they didn't care. They would have much rather have gone and asked questions, and I'm sure they would have been much more harder-hitting questions. But they knew what that visual would have been, of here are these old, mostly white guys standing up there haranguing some woman who's, you know, said, I'm a victim of sexual uh, sexual assault, and it's destroyed my life. Well, let but me tell you what, what the did. visual. Yeah. Let me tell you what the visual in the Chronicle is going to be to probably today when people are listening to this. I specifically found asked the photo editors to find this photo that I thought was so remarkable of all the white male senators hiding behind oh, I, Rachel Mitchell who's doing all of the questioning. So that's it, my visual takeaway. Well, we huh. saw what the re Republicans did without Mitchell there. I mean, the, 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 the Kavanaugh part of the hearing was, I mean, very emotional in a different way. I mean, we had, uh, I mean, first of all, let's start with Kavanaugh. He was, uh, he was angry. He was defiant. And then he was kind of weepy and melancholy. He was, I mean, he was all over the map. And then kind of rude. I mean, uh, right. the way he's talking it, back. It's important, yeah. at, the, at the very least, asking right. the senators, uh, have you ever pay, played quarters, Senator? And oh, what, do a, you, what do you drink, Senator? The, the, he actually came out and apologized for that. And the quarters, that was just back and forth. The guy said, no, he said it's a game like quarters. Uh, but it what was it was, and a lot of it, but a lot of it, though, you're right. You know, he, in a number of times, cut the senator off, wouldn't let him finish the question, certainly made sure that he finished his question, and... The thing is, is when you're looking at a five-minute limit, you know, if you have somebody that uh, wants to play out the clock with the answers, it's very easy to do, and he certainly was doing that. Mm -hmm. I spoke to someone today who um, who said uh, if 
what would it be like if um, Dr. Ford had the range of emotions that Kavanaugh had exactly. today? Then it would yeah. be, oh, she's so emotional and unstable and untethered. But with Kavanaugh, you know, this was applauded with moments after the hearing ended. Uh, uh, the president comes out that that's the kind of you know it's a great. Uh, I don't have the tweet in front of me right now, but he, but he that's applauded why it. And that's, I, why, that's why that's why I nominated him, him and blah 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 blah. So um, and then Lindsey Graham, who came out with a very emotional uh, speech, to, to railing on the process. Well, in some ways, that that sort of like what Audrey was saying about having um, Rachel Mitchell there in their place. It was like they couldn't controlled themselves enough because yeah. once they did have the mic with Do- with Kavanaugh they just exploded with emotion so it almost felt like they were holding their rage for that because they obviously I mean they're calling the whole thing a scam but earlier they were treating Dr. Ford with respect as if her testimony had valid you know was valid but then all of a sudden it didn't once they were in the second part of it so I mean it's o- it's obvious I, I think any Assertive woman knows what this feels like. Period. Um, I mean, it, it's just—it's just what happens. Like assertive women or women who are would cry if any woman had acted like Judge Kavanaugh. It would—we wouldn't even be talking about this. The nomination would be over. Period. All right. So, looking forward, as a as a culture, <laughs> what have we learned in the thirty-seven years? Uh, thirty-seven, twenty-seven. Years since Anita Hill. Are we, I talked to some people, are we taking steps forward? Uh, someone said to me, uh, one of the experts I talked to said that, well, you know, at least, um, you know, the because of the Me Too move, movement, um, there was, the, the Republicans at least recognized the need to talk about this. At least there was some nod to the fact that she, acknowledging that she was attacked, uh, whereas it was questioned before. Is there anything else that we can look forward to, how far we've come or, or how far we have not come? Well, there are more. Fem- well, there are some female senators on the Senate. We have, we have four on the Democratic <laughs> side, yes. <laughs> and That's the male, the male Democratic senators did a much better job this time than they did during the Anita Hill hearing. They seem to understand what sexual harassment is, mm-hmm. or this was different than sexual harassment. But there, I mean, in terms of the questions, it was obviously a huge difference. Uh, but you're talking more in general terms. Yeah, just sort of a yeah, a, in a specific political sense, and also in a larger sense. Do we. No, I mean, it was clear. I mean, the fact that they even held this hearing after the fact that they'd already gone through all of the testimony, like you said, it wouldn't have happened back then. What's interesting, though, is that uh, it's still a very, very political process. I mean, <clears throat> for all the stuff that uh, the professor was out there and Professor Ford and all that and talking about her, it, you know, all it did was give the Democrats a different thing to talk about. Every single one of those Democrats has been opposed to Kavanaugh even before the hearing started. So when the Ford letter was released, it wasn't uh, sacre bleu, my mind is now changed. It's here's something else to hit him with and so he can try and win. So, you know, you heard the Republicans argue that, you know, both uh, Kavanaugh and Ford were victims and that uh, they were, the Democrats were less concerned about justice uh, for Ford then they were about, you know, again, making sure that they blocked this nomination until at least after the elections in November. I think for me, what is troublesome about this this episode and others recently is I can't imagine for for every Dr. Ford that has come forward and all of the women who have joined and the whole Me Too hashtag of people sharing those experiences 
why would you come forward if if this if if it's not a Supreme Court justice? I just think it. What happened to Dr. Ford with the media attention and the death threats and the fact that she had to move out of her house has a everybody knows that now. It has an incredible and the way the U.S. Senate has senators or the GOP senators have been calling it a scam. I just think it has a really chilling effect on women continuing to talk about um, the inequities in the workplace that are have gotten better over the last 50 years but are still significant. And, and I guess that's what worries me. I also think just how <laughs> I hope as, as a mother of a long, young child, and I know Tara's with me on this too, but if my son does this sort of stuff or has friends like this, God, I hope I know about it. Because in high school, like you guys will laugh, but I actually, when I was little, I wanted to be a Supreme Court justice from the time I was like yeah. in, in, in kindergarten. There's still time. Unlikely. <laughs> um, but I remember the first time I ever got drunk was in college. And it was with my now husband. And I remember crying when I realized what being drunk felt like and saying, I'll never be a Supreme Court justice because I, I was 19. So I'm a little higher strung than most wow. people. But <laughs> Do you like, keep your calendars too? <laughs> I don't. I don't. But my point is like... I like how you behave in high school is still relevant. I really believe that it, it is relevant. You start becoming an adult in high school. Well, that's so the, I don't that know. The concern, just... But that's the concern that that what does this message? What message would be sent if Kavanaugh is confirmed to the Supreme Court? What message does this send to to high school students? I mean, to to because you know it's one thing for uh, an adult woman to speak about, you know, be, speak reflectively on incidents they've had for a man to do, look back with some uh, maturity and reflect. But what about a high school kid? What is this? This, this does trickle down people, you know, obviously they're going to see this. What message is it sent? It sends a bad one. It sends the same boys will be boys attitude, which I have heard in the last five years from grown men about um, inappropriate things. And it sends a bad thing that, that eight, 16, 18 year olds don't know what they're doing. They do know what they're doing. And I expect more of 16 year olds. So I. And, and there was also that edge to, the, to Kavanaugh's testimony of, you know, I went to these elite schools, I worked hard, and sort of that whole idea that if, you know, you're in a certain group, you're going to be fine no matter right. what. And so that sort of lesson seems to keep the, coming through. Yeah, his entitlement well. was uh, was yeah. on full display there. He was a, he's a, not quite bor uh, born on third base. He was maybe, you know, on second rounding, headed yeah. to third. If, um, Audrey mentioned earlier that it, that maybe this would prevent other women from talking about, you know, inequities in the workplace. Um is, are you speaking of in a, in a larger sense? You know, like obviously this is the biggest stage you can possibly be, but you know, in what about someone who works, you know, at a bank or someone who works in a uh, wherever? Where does how does that affect? How does this trickle down to them? Do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't really see that. I, I, I know what you're saying in terms of this really large scale, you know, big stage situation. I mean, it feels like there's such momentum for people to come forward with with issues of workplace harassment that that, but it does, I mean, it does have a chilling effect on the movement because people were, st I think a lot of women were starting to feel like there was some really big positive changes happening. And this, if depending on what happens with this, it could feel like another stab in the back for a lot of women. You know, so. another question is what does this say about our business? Because <clears throat> when you come down to it, 
she said, I decided that I wasn't going to talk. I was going to get, it would be like getting hit by a train. I had no way of doing anything. So I was just going to keep my mouth shut. But then reporters started showing up on my doorstep. They showed up my class. They were talking to my friends and everything else. And they made it clear that my name was going to get out. Mm. So I felt I had to talk then. So essentially she was outed by either someone that released those, that information out there or by newspapers or something that weren't really concerned about, you know, what was best for her, which she felt was not saying anything. But, you know, you have to talk because we're going to put it out there anyway. How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, we had, I don't know if you guys know this, if it got down to you, but um, the, I think it was the Monday after this came out, we were in our editor's meeting in the morning and we were discussing the plans to do a profile of Dr. Ford once it was clear that she was a local resident. And I remember questioning whether we should even do that. And and, and we had a discussion. Um, and what, what were the pros and cons? Well, I mean, the con to me is... Do people need to know that much about her? I mean, we will have to be so invasive. She clearly doesn't want to be that um, public. And I, I just had a, I don't, probably not a very professional reaction to it, but a very personal reaction to it. And, um, and the, I mean, the cons- I was definitely in the minority. I, actually, mm-hmm. I was probably the only one who was raising that question because the other editors pointed out rightfully that, You know, if she was some shill for George Soros or something, we had a responsibility to uncover that, too. And once you're a public figure in the way that Dr. Ford has become, it's not really up to you anymore, unfortunately. And the media has a responsibility to try to make sense of who these people are so you know whether, as a a citizen, whether to believe them or not. But it does, I mean, as a person, as a woman, as a journalist, it does, it, it conflicts me on our role in that sometimes. What were you, um, what were you, what were you protective of her about, uh, her privacy I, about in that I situation? I mean, if you know somebody's moving out of their house and it's because of media attention and the, and the globe, the national throng that comes out. I mean, you guys have all, we've all worked breaking news stories. The and TV you, trucks And you on. see the TV trucks yeah. come in and it, when it's your community, you just... It, it like we all go Ugh, the national media is here and it is i mean I, it would be terrible to be on the receiving mm-hmm. end of that it really would and i think most of us are very conscious of that not always the the throng that descends but as the local people in the community we are well i want to uh one more thing i wanted to talk about before we uh say goodbye here and i uh, because this is it's all political let's talk about the uh political ramifications of this, uh, if any. Um, just talking to people, we're talking to people about, you know, how this affects things like the midterms uh, in, in California. There's a chance for Democrats to take back the House. Republicans are trying to defend that. They're trying to defend the Senate. Does any of this stuff affect I uh, this? I don't think anybody's mind got changed today. They were thinking one way when they went in. They're thinking the same way when they went out. So, But will, do you think it will affect turnout? Isn't that the real question? I don't know. I don't know if it's something that will affect turnout either way. That uh, Both sides, the Republicans and Democrats, will try and use it to juice it up, but I don't know how successful they'll be. I think uh, Republicans will also uh, use this to, to juice it up because they'll say, look, this is um, uh, uh, getting conservative court appointments is very important to Republicans. In fact, there's a couple of new polls out this week that said it's of increasing importance to Democrats too. So, it, But it's it doesn't get that 
four or five percent that's a swing vote in all these races it's going to be a it'll be a get out the vote for uh, for your base voters you guys thank you so much for uh always spending pleasure, some time John. here thank you all right Thank you to my guests today, our editor-in-chief, Audrey Cooper, Tara Duggan, the big man, John Wildermuth, and for our uh, the man who produced this today, our managing editor for digital, Fernando Diaz. Whether you believe her, or whether you believe him, or whether you have no idea what to believe, it's all political. <laughs>